0: This is Mike Corey from ESPN, and you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. Welcome into the sports objective. As we got a very special show with us tonight, as always, my good boy from LaGrange. Barbara, how are
1: you? What's going on, Dave? Somebody's phone was ringing. Uh, uh, How's everyone doing tonight?
0: Doing great. Great to be here. Uh, Thanks to Bubba Rosenbaum here tonight. Uh, Appreciate him very much. And with us right now, very happy to have an ECU alum and the Lincoln University, that is Missouri president. That's Dr. John Mosley. Hey, Coach, how are you? Thank you for coming on with us tonight.
2: I'm doing great. Uh, guys, I really appreciate the invitation to uh, to visit with some friends from Pirate Nation tonight. So I uh, look forward to a great conversation.
0: No doubt about it. We were catching up a little bit beforehand. Uh, obviously, things that I didn't know, but uh, walk us through your uh, journey. I know that you uh, spent time in Greenville and obviously with Coach Dooley, Coach Mack, but Uh, Tell everybody about your path to being a Pirate.
2: Well, uh, first of all, I'm from Warrington, North Carolina. Uh, My wife and I both chose to come to East Carolina. What a great place for us to get our education and meet so many wonderful people. Um, Just knowing that this uh, this opportunity was going to be here for me tonight, it's given me time to reflect today on just many of the relationships that were built during our time there. And I was fortunate. Uh, I did work with Coach Joe Dooley for four years, Um, He helped me get my undergrad degree in uh, exercise and sports science, and I went on to get my master's degree there as well um, before launching my coaching career. Uh, Mike Corey did the introduction to your show. Mike was a radio guy when I was at University of Delaware. And uh, what a crazy world. And and now Mike's going on to do great things. And so uh, I was an assistant at the University of Delaware, um, came back to my hometown of Warrenton, Warren County High School, Uh, jumped back into the college ranks at Wright State, ended up at Winston-Salem State as an assistant before Coach Matt gave me an opportunity to come home. And uh, I had two great years in Greenville, one as an ops guy, one as an assistant, uh, before Max role changed at the university, uh, which led me to North Carolina Central, which is exactly how I ended up at Lincoln University, a vice chancellor, uh, left North Carolina Central, who I had formed a relationship with, and uh, took the job in Missouri. Uh, me not knowing that Lincoln University, there was one in Missouri, I thought it was the one in PA initially, Uh, Later found out he was in Missouri, and 13 months later he gave me an opportunity to to, to come to Jefferson City. And it's been quite an experience. Uh, Seven years as head men's basketball coach, six of those as the athletic director. Uh, Eight months as the interim president, and uh, today is technically my first day officially as the president of Lincoln University. And so uh, what a wild ride
0: doing a lot of media opportunities, right? Just like the, on the sports objective here. Absolutely,
2: uh, man. It's all, It's always fun to tell, to tell that story uh, and to get to talk about East Carolina. Um, you know, uh, I, I'd be remiss if I don't take just one second tonight to say Jimmy Grimsley, who was a fixture at, at the sidelines at East Carolina as a scorekeeper, but more importantly, the, the, the role that he played in so many Pirates' lives um, during during their time at East Carolina. And uh, And I miss him. He passed away my first year out here, actually, and uh, he was a father figure to so many of us. And, uh, and uh, I saw a picture the other night from Morgan Ayler's courtside, uh, the 10-year challenge, and I think he, he put one back about 15 and Dr. Grimley's sitting there. Uh, okay. And so, you know, again, we think about East Carolina. All of us have a, a love for the place. Um, but the place is, is more than that. It's the people. And so uh, that's, uh, that's, my, that's my pirate life for me.
1: Well, Way back when you were assistant on, Do- on Coach Joe Dooley's staff, did you ever envision becoming a, a university president? Was, was that something you had as a goal? I would imagine not.
2: Never. Uh, I can tell you wholeheartedly my, my goal the entire time I was there was to be the head coach of East Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I, East Carolina was so good to me and my family. Um, having a chance to come back there to coach with Mac was such a big deal for my career. And certainly I wish we had done a little bit better or Mac had been given an opportunity to continue kind of what he was working towards um, to, until today, I mean, Mac remains a great friend, uh, getting this promotion, uh, just, uh, I knew I got the call last week and that it was a done deal. Uh, Mac was the second person I called outside of my family, uh, because of the influence that he's had on my life. And, uh, and I, and I really consider myself fortunate to have people like him, um, that have poured into me, but I, I wouldn't have guessed this two years ago. And so, uh, I did have a, the, the same president that brought me here, encouraged me to get my doctorate. And so I did that while I was coaching and being AD. It was like, okay, what do you do in your free time? Yeah, right. But I I did pursue my doctorate during that time, uh, graduated from the University of Missouri uh, back in May uh, with that degree. And two weeks later, I was asked to serve in this capacity. And so certainly a non-traditional path to the presidency. Uh, I was in a room recently in Florida with a lot of of public university presidents. And I think I was the only one with an athletic background, um, which, uh, which I believe gives me a benefit uh, but 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 some may not see it that same way.
0: And John, that was uh, one of my next. That was a nice segue. That was one of the things I was going to ask you about. Is you're having to wear a lot of hats there. But one of the things it seems like we have a great chancellor now, Dr. Philip Rogers, who I believe he gets uh, not only academics but he gets athletics. But uh, in fairness uh, to him, uh, there are, but there are a lot of uh, chancellors and presidents that really don't understand athletics. They're more from the academic world and we need to have, to me, uh, for me personally, there has to be like hand in hand, you know, that you, the one is not better than the other, but sometimes you see where the experience is just not there for that. So it's great for you being a president as someone who loves academics and athletics to, to have that background.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, listen, uh, my, my dissertation was on, uh, The relationship between spending and winning in Division II football and men's and women's basketball. Uh, I was a men's basketball coach here. Uh, We're in one of the best Division II conferences in the country. Um, We've got teams from our our league that have won a national championship at least once uh, in in the past 14 years. A a national champion, Division II sport, has been a representative of MIAA school. And so it's, uh, it, it's tough, but I, I, I do believe in the value of athletics and what it does for a university. Uh, I do believe it's the front porch of an institution. It does so much to build um, just passion and pride b- between the students that are there, uh, recruits that are, are, are available or looking at schools, and then the community and the alumni base. I mean, everybody loves a winner and we, we, we see what that does for us. Um, I, I, know, uh, I know this year, um, with, with what football did at East Carolina. I mean, here I am in the middle of Missouri and, uh, when we're not playing at Lincoln, I, I get a chance to put my purple and gold on and, and tell people, you know, that's my school. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, winning matters. Um, but, but the academics is the reason that we have these universities. And, uh, and, and so I, I do appreciate folks that, uh, not only concentrate on winning on the, on the field or on the court, um, but winning in the classroom and producing, um, Young men and women that can go out and be positive, uh, positive producers in society. And so, um, I would sing the praises of athletics anywhere and everywhere I go. Uh, I I usually am a little bit reserved to to fill the room out uh, when I'm with presidents. But you know, there is a part of me that uh, I put the pressure on myself right now. I believe championships are won in the president's office. Uh, Whatever, and I say what I say that. I simply say whatever a president supports is going is to be successful or at least have a chance to be successful. And so um, – and I don't think you have to put your focus on, on one single area. But if it means something to, to the president, it'll mean something to the people.
1: With your athletic background, you, you mentioned being a school president being an unusual role for someone with the background in coaching and athletics. Do you almost feel – that if you put too much of an emphasis on athletics or if it appears that you, do you, do you feel like you'll get accused of that by some in academia?
2: Uh, absolutely. I, I know with me being uh, put into this role and the way in which uh, I was asked to serve as the interim and now president, uh, I'm very conscientious of, uh, of what it is because again, the university, the mission of the inter- university is to provide students with an education um, that they can go on and have successful careers uh, you know, uh, and so um, I, I think that there are those that wholeheartedly don't believe in the value of it. Uh, I know they I know they don't. And, uh, you know, you get pushed back often from the uh, from the academic side of the house. Um, in, but it, I think it's relationships. And uh, I don't think you have to take from one to give to the other. Uh, there are people that um, care uh, more for athletics, for certain academic programs at the university um, those people are going to invest in those areas. Uh, you know, I, I was telling a friend uh, yesterday, uh, I've, I've had potential donors that uh, have an interest on the academic side. I've had potential donors who say, listen, I simply want to give to athletics. That's where that's what's important to me. And so trying to walk that tightrope between making sure that you're not uh, giving athletics more attention than you're giving academics is a, is a crucial role for a college president.
0: John, what about the one of the things I was talking to you in the green room before the show is certainly with the I know you just took over the role as president, but certainly the last two years have been really difficult for all of us. But when it comes to academia, when it comes to universities and colleges, man, COVID has been, uh, as our good friend Matt Semenza would say, brutal.
2: Uh, Absolutely. And there's just. You meet to meet to meet to figure out what's next, and then the game changes as soon as you get you get settled into a routine. Uh, something else comes along, and you're like, okay, we're back to the drawing board. And so, uh, you do all you can to plan, to to be prepared and ready, and to keep your your students, faculty, and staff safe uh, as as much as you possibly can. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a time in which uh, uh, outside of the sport of basketball, I've never heard the word pivot being used until COVID. Uh, And so now it seems like all we do is pivot, pivot, pivot. And uh, and so, you know, having to adjust on the fly and seeing the resiliency of of faculty and staff and students across the country um, to go into modalities like we're using tonight, where classrooms all of a sudden become online and uh, uh, more more for some students that that maybe hadn't prepared for that. Uh, I know we serve a population of students that don't have uh, enough technology, uh, to, 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 to have this is their number one way of receiving their education. And so, um, I, I think for some, we we've, we've come to appreciate the value of the classroom experience more, uh, for those of us that learn better in the classrooms. I was that kind of learner. I would have struggled in this space. And so, uh, you know, it's, uh, but it but it is it has given us the, the, the flexibility of knowing that we can transition into this type of atmosphere uh, as I sit here tonight uh, our university is closed tomorrow because of uh, because of snow and it's the first time this year uh, that we've had this this much or this significant amount and so uh, but my little girl has a she didn't have a snow day tomorrow she's got a virtual day because now uh, high schools and uh, elementary and middles have, have they give the students a laptop and uh, give them an opportunity to to learn online.
0: Hey Kyle, do you remember the days of and Bubba? Do you remember the days when John, I know you do as well, that you the weathermen, the <laughs> the meteorologist you was the best you friend. Be still, please, yeah, you please, be, snow, please snow day. Be, snow day tomorrow. Yeah, you,
1: Dave, Dave, do you remember uh, late eighties watching uh WNCT TV nine, Carolina Today, Jim Woods, Martin County schools closed today.
0: Yeah, exactly. And i tell you what, and another thing, too, is you always, not to get, get off on a tangent here, but you, you also know in the TV market which one loves snow, the meteorologist. So you're always going to watch that pro snow guy, the meteorologist, which one loves it more, like Skip Waters. Skip Waters, right? back in the day, yeah. Back in the day. So, uh, John, as far as uh, we're talking about Joe Dooley, I just want to get your thoughts for – those in Pirate Nation, we love him uh, here in Greenville area in Pirate Nation. Talk about uh, Joe as a person behind the scenes. We know a little bit about him, but you know him very, very well.
2: You know, Joe's one of, one of the most competitive people I've ever been around. Uh, and and you'll find, obviously, that uh, most coaches are that way, but he's, he's at an extreme level. Um, he's very competitive. He's brilliant. Uh, I remember my days with coach and, uh, we would go to the mall to the food court and he'd get a slice of pizza from at that time of Sabaros. I don't know if it's there. And, uh, you know, and, and, and the guy would just, something would hit him and he'd grab a napkin and draw a play. And that, and that afternoon in practice, we'd be trying it out. Uh, he's just had such a, such a mind for the game. Um, and, and, and so, you know, he's, uh, at that point he was a really good player as well. He could still play. He, uh, he got hurt a little bit uh, while I was there. I think he tore his Achilles, maybe playing at the Y. Um, but the players respected him because he could go in the gym and he could just he could shoot just as well as anybody on our team at that time. Um, and he was still really athletic. I mean, I think at the time Joe took over uh, my sophomore year, he was the uh, he was the youngest head coach in Division One. And uh,
0: That's
2: uh, I I was glad to see him come back. Um, I, I know that I. Uh, um, I may get personal here, but I, I don't think Joe was given the right opportunity the first time. Uh, I, I think he had done some things really, really well, and, uh, and 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 could have been afforded an opportunity to be treated maybe a little bit better at that point. Uh, but I, I'm I'm pulling for him now. Um, I, I've I've kept up with it as much as I can with my schedule being what it is now. But uh, but but Joe's Joe's been really really good to me.
0: The question with uh, with him and coming back, and we were talking about the uh, what about uh, schoolless, if you will, on as far as Division Two is concerned. What kind of budgets, uh, scholarship? What kind of stuff uh, goes on in the world of Division Two? Uh, the challenges that you guys may face from a college or university at that level.
2: It's uh, it's certainly different, you know. It's uh, we Division One gets thirteen scholarships uh, for men's basketball. We get ten. Um, we don't have to give full scholarships. We can give partials. We do what you call stack scholarships. So you try to get a student athlete as close to zero balance as possible between their athletic money, their academic money, and any other institutional or additional scholarship dollars that they receive. I can tell you my first year, I wasn't very good at it. I didn't understand it. And I haven't met a basketball player yet that didn't think they deserved uh, anything less than a full scholarship. And so, um, it's, uh, I compare division two to more being in the NBA where you have a salary pool, your 10 scholarships, you get a you get a dollar amount for those 10 and you slice that pie as much as and many times as you want to. And so, um, uh, you know, it's it's you invest in some great players and then you try to sign some role players around them for a little bit less. Uh, overall operating budget, I mean, at our university, uh, athletics itself probably operates just over a $4 million budget for 11 uh, athletic programs. Um, I'm at a school that's uh, traditionally known for uh, women's track. We've won 14 national championships in, like, wow. like, the last 18 years between indoor and outdoor, and uh, they've had a stellar program. Uh, men's basketball, certainly we, we were able to turn it around and, and make it competitive. But, um, you know, Northwest Missouri State's the best team in our league. They've been that way. They've they've won, I think, three out of the last four national championships. Uh, they've also they've competed for national championship football as well. And so, uh, it's a uh, division two sports are very competitive.
1: I was nil defect, uh, affecting division two? Um, or you know, I, I guess it'll affect. Every school differently at the division two level, but overall, how do you think it's affecting division two athletics?
2: So, for for our league, uh, when you think about this and the number of leagues across the country in division one, division two, II, division three, um, just, uh, just two weeks ago, we were in Indianapolis for the NCAA convention. At that point, I think we were number 15 in the country, uh, in NIL deals. Uh, our university, we just signed, we were one of the first division twos. And one of the first HBCUs to sign a full team deal, our our entire football team uh, will be getting a deal next year um, from a, from a friend of our program uh, that's uh, that's down in Atlanta. I'm sorry, down in uh, Florida um, that's invested. He's a former teammate of our new athletic director. And so uh, it's a brand new space trying to figure out what that looks like and, uh, and making sure that your student athletes are educated and aware of of what's allowed and what's not allowed and, and making sure that, Uh, The money that they're receiving is above the table and is accounted for um, just to keep everything in compliance. But it's, uh, you know, tomorrow's our signing day in Division two. I'm not sure if Division one has another tomorrow, but it certainly is Division two. And so uh, it's a it's a big deal that all these schools are using as a recruiting tool at this point.
1: Can you repeat that again about the NIL that you said your university or your conference? Was fifteenth in the nation.
2: Our conference is fifteenth in the nation in the MiAA. So out of all the conferences, our okay. conference is fifteen in the nation, and so okay. you think about the number of Division One conferences, and I think we're the only Division Two in that in that top fifteen, uh, I think it speaks volumes to to the level of conference that we're we're participating
0: here uh, in the MiAA.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty remarkable.
0: No doubt. And uh, we have uh, folks, if you want to chime in tonight on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube, we have our good friend Mark Calloway who's asking John to no, ECU, can you compare the importance of the sports of football, basketball and baseball from a revenue and importance to the Pirate Nation? Thank you.
2: Uh, man, that's uh, I-, I think everybody there understands uh, that football pays the bills. You know, um, the more successful they are, the number of seats that they have in that stadium uh, the more times as a pirate nation we can fill those up and support those student athletes and that and those coaches, uh, the better off you we give uh, every sport there an opportunity to be successful. Um, you know, Cliff, uh, Cliff and I went to college together. Cliff was a walk-on in men's basketball, when I was in school there. Uh, I believe working on my on my master's degree. And uh, I've been very proud of him and the work that he's done with that baseball program. Um, I'm a I'm a heck of a lot closer to Omaha than you guys. But I got a friend that owns a few hotels out there. So when we make it to Omaha, may, maybe it's this year, I, I hope to see a lot of my pirate friends uh, out there and, and I'll, I'll be there front and center. But uh, the, the, the revenue that's generated from those three sports is critical to every other sport that we have. In addition, you know, you can argue from an academic standpoint, but uh, there's research that you can tell from the Flutie effect. The more you win, the more students are interested in your university from a student experience standpoint. And so, uh, you know, as, as a pirate nation, we've never lost a tailgate. Uh, There's students that that certainly impacts and and, and their influence and where not whether or not they come to school at East Carolina to get just to pursue their education. And so, uh, you know, I don't make the rules for society, but I, I think sports are important to a lot of people. And uh, it's just a it's just an escape from reality for us. And so, uh, the, the success of those the big three is is, is critical.
0: We just celebrate. I so got I gotta. I gotta Go ahead, Dave. you have a follow-up to that? Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just going to say really quick, to that point, John, I've mentioned several times on the show, I have friends that were the class of basically the year after me, their high school class of 92, they graduated. So they watched the Peach Bowl on ESPN. They had no clue where they're going to college, to a university. They see the Peach Bowl. They see East Carolina win it. That's how they picked where they were going. Uh, kids that were from New Jersey and Maryland and all over, you know, they probably say the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, but we had an enrollment increase because of that, plus all the excitement and buzz after that game.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: John, I had a I had an interesting question for you. Um, at least I think it's interesting. Obviously, you're happy your new role. You're you're you the uh, you're the president of the university. All right. So here's my question: If you could have your choice, okay, your your dream, you know, you 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 you, you get to choose. It's magic world. You, you rule the world. you 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 get to return to east carolina as chancellor athletic director or head basketball coach which one would you choose
2: well it's totally a dream all right i want to preface that just in case there's anybody from lincoln university watching your podcast tonight so it's totally a dream but (laughs) men's basketball at east carolina is just it's just my passion it's what uh, i absolutely love and and uh you know i'm hopeful that coach can uh those guys can can I mean, they've got a good team this year. I hope that they can put together some big wins down the stretch right here uh, and, and do some great things. But uh, if I if I had a choice at one of those three, uh, as I sit here in 2022, now you may ask me that same question in 2027, and my answer may change. But uh, but at this point, uh, you know, the men's basketball program at East Carolina, I owe so much of my life to to the lessons that I learned there and the people that I met. Um, and it, it helped me. It opened these doors for me. Uh, if I had a if I hadn't have done what I did there, uh, my career was started by wiping up sweat and doing laundry and 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 putting out uniforms for practice. but I, I value every one of those lessons and that work ethic that it took uh, that has certainly I think propelled me to 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 the seat that I now get to sit in.
0: And John, I had a question along those lines. Uh, if you could wave your magic wand, you've had the role of a d, obviously John Gilbert's a d now at East Carolina. What do you think uh, needs to be done uh, for Pirate basketball to be successful?
2: Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a revenue thing, it's a support thing. It's, uh, you're, you're, you're playing in a tremendous league. And, um, you know, the travel, when we made the jump from the CAA to, at that time, Conference USA, uh, it was tremendous for, for men's and women's basketball and football. Uh, You know, but I think the challenge has been how do you afford everything else? And so obviously, as we talked already about the revenue sports, um, the more they win, the more revenue there is, the more interest there is, the more support there is. Um, People love winners. Donors love winners. Donors want to invest with winners. And so the more you win, the more they want to give you. Uh, And so, you know, I think certainly helping with the uh, practice facility has been a, a step in the right direction uh, I'm sure there's some things as a coach. I, I'm not familiar with really everything that's taking place right there right now. But uh, at that level, your ability to travel, uh, I know to fly back home right after a game or to charter to a game or whether you're flying commercial or how many times a year do you get to do that? Um, you know, now in the NIL space, um, it's it, – or, or do you have folks that are interested in, in, in assisting with some of that? Um, it's all big questions, you know. It, it goes back to recruiting. Uh Simply you got to get players and every coach knows that uh, coach knows that he's been a tremendous recruiter for a long time. Um, you, you, Jimmy's and Joe's win ball games more than X's and O's. If it's X's and O's, uh, you know, there's quite a few guys that can do that, but not everybody can go out and get those, those great players.
0: What are your thoughts on the transfer portal and also uh, that, and also about not having to sit out like we grew up with having to sit out at least one year for it to transfer to another school.
2: Well, uh, to answer your second question, first, you know, I, I think a lot of that got brought up brought on by uh, coaches that jump ship that went from one place to the next. Um, and this notion to think that uh, players player signed at a university, not as not with a coach. I don't know how, you know, I, I think you could debate that. I, I think the relationship between the coach and the student athlete is one of the biggest factors at that level. Uh, there, are other, there are other sports and other levels um, that, that, that may not have as much influence. The portal itself has, has changed the game of college athletics period, uh, regardless of sport as much as anything in my lifetime. Uh, it requires coaches at this point to recruit their own players as much as they recruit new players, because what we've seen over the last few years and, and what you're going to see more now, um, with the ability, the inability or, or the lack of uh, need to sit out is, uh, your best players at, 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 at a given level may transfer up. Uh, whether you're Division Two, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I had two, two young men at the end of last year come in my office and say, Coach, we had great years. We're going to go Division I. Um, we had a young man, the, the best player in our league last year. He's playing at Creighton right now and playing wow. significant minutes. And so, you know, here you are maybe as a coach thinking you've got a really good team coming back. Uh, and you lose your two best players to a Division One program, and the same thing can be said from low major to mid major to, to high major. Um, I, I know in in, in East Carolina's um, for East Carolina's sake, you know, you look at Jaden Gardner right now, uh, and if he's playing with the team that you have and with some of the talent that you have, how much how many more wins do they have? And so I don't know what all happened with that, but those kind of examples, I think. Uh, the Pirate Nation can understand, and it's critical that you continue to recruit um, every day in, in your own program, not just uh, not just out looking for new players.
1: Do you think they'll ever reel it back in, Annie? You know, t- to me there would be a good compromise of you, 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 you have to sit out a year when you transfer unless your head coach leaves or gets fired. Then you, you don't have to sit out a year. You can transfer in that situation without having to sit out.
2: Kyle, that's a great question, and and to some degree, uh, I I'd like to think that there could be some kind of compromise. But uh, I, I do believe that uh, the landscape of the NCAA is changing every day right in front of us. Um, you know, we 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 went to the uh, convention this year, and and all of our all of our Division one, two, II, and three came back with with different things. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of things taking place right now. A lot of questions. A lot of people are kind of sitting back watching what's going to happen. Um, you know, we've had, we've had as much transition in college athletics in the last three, four years with the portal, with NIL. Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting time for, uh, for college athletics and for, for, uh, for ADs and coaches right now. It's, uh, it's hard to keep up with everything that's taking place.
0: You know, John, uh, normally we don't talk politics on the show, but the, the one thing I would say the one normally I don't want politicians involved, but I really believe that we need national legislation because every state is different. So that makes it even more confusing. You have you are talking about the different levels, all that kind of stuff. And I know some sometimes there needs to be like between Division one, the expectations maybe from Division one versus Division two II or three are different. But. It just seems like there needs to be some kind of central legislation to say this is what you know you can do and what you cannot do. Some, it just seems so much gray area.
2: It 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 is, and uh, uh, I think for the the longest time they've done their best to stay out of it. Uh, you've seen from state to state what happens when they jump in. Everybody gets uh, ends up with something different. Uh, the NIL, the prime example of that, from when the states started adopting their own legislation uh, as it relates to it, which forced the NCAA to kind of make a decision on which direction it wanted to go. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. My fear for a long time has been, um, what happens if the, uh, if those high major guys, uh, decide that they want to take their ball and go home, what happens to, uh, to the smaller institutions, division one, uh, you know, I, I was at North Carolina Central, uh, and and I absolutely loved my four years there. Had a great experience with Coach uh, wow. but You know, for us in our state, it's some it's some low majors here, and you think about the uh, the big boys of the NCAA, and and it, a lot of this goes back to the Almighty Dollar, and uh, and so trying to figure out how that works from all the revenue that the NCAA tournaments generating, and and how athletes. Uh, can receive something beyond their academic scholarships or athletic scholarships. Uh, again, that's just been part of the big transition in college athletics over the last four or five years.
0: One of fans said they can actually, uh, if you're tuning in tonight on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you can actually submit your questions. In fact, we have one from Bubba who uh, um, is producing tonight. We'll get to that in just a second. But since we're talking about NIL, NIL deals, Mark is asking, can you, can y'all talk more about the NIL? Can anybody pay for an athlete?
2: Uh, there's there's certainly uh, not anybody. I mean, you have to go through the process. You have to register. Uh, everything has to be done um, above board. The, the university has to document what the athletes are receiving. Uh, and so there's a lot of compliance um, that's been added as a result of it. Uh, I, I won't dare say that I'm the NIL expert. Um, I was fortunate – uh, I, I jokingly say I went from being AD to president and I hired a much better athletic director who was uh, who was younger. Uh, actually, my athletic director, he was with me for a year at North Carolina Central in 2010. But after me, he was at Central Florida, University of Central Florida, who I know is a dear rival of ours in Pirate Nation. But he learned a great deal there. Uh, he was there when they were really winning and he went to Washington State University. And so he had some high major Division One experience. And so I felt my, I felt very fortunate to get him. And he's done a really good job at, at, at our university of ensuring that our student athletes um, have their best chance to, to, to participate in deals. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, you know, our conference has been at the, at the leading edge of it and, and ensuring that we had a conference wide deal with the, with the company that um, kind of tracks what your athletes are getting.
0: Uh, to follow up uh, as far as HBCUs, uh, with uh, obviously some of the players now that are going there, which is such a pride thing for African-American students, student athletes. Do you think uh, – is that, that going to be a game changer? Where we'll see more athletes going to an HBCU versus maybe – I hate to say a big-name school, but a brand-name school that normally would get the Florida states of the world, like that, uh, that player that was stolen from them.
2: Yeah. You know, I, listen, uh, I think it's a great thing for, for students to go uh, where where they feel comfortable, where they feel they can uh, perform at a high level. Um, we saw it last year with Howard University from a basketball standpoint. Um, they had a tremendous player. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but uh, he went there and it made national headlines. And then we had the COVID year, so we really didn't get to see the full effect of what that could be. Uh, and so it's uh, when you have a coach like, deon sanders um the name recognition of deon sanders and what he's done for hbcu sports in the last 12 months as the head coach of jackson state uh it's been it's been high level for us it's given us exposure uh i'm working at lincoln university we're an hbcu we were founded in 1866 by uh, african-american soldiers of the 62nd and 65th colored infantries and so um you know, have have we felt a uh, a bump from that? There, there may be some more students that take a look at you. But in the end, students are going to go where they feel comfortable with the coaching staff and uh, and where they think they're going to play.
0: No doubt. And uh, we have one thing for you from Bubba. I want to get this. And we've got Ben Johnson coming on with us in, in the green room. He'll be with us in just a few minutes. Uh, but Bubba's asking, talk about Coach Mac McCarthy. You had the opportunity to serve us as Director of Ops at East Carolina.
2: I did. I was ops for a year and then Daryl LeBerry left and went to Georgia tech and, uh, Mac was gracious enough to move me up. And, uh, it was my dream to be an assistant there and eventually be the head coach there at that point in my career. Uh, I can't say enough good things about Mac. I recently, Mac, uh, Mac sent me a copy or I bought a copy of his book. Um, uh, back when, when that came out, uh, listen, Mac, Mac McCarthy can own a room as well as anybody I've ever been around his, uh, I did. I was at East Carolina when Sonny Smith was coaching at VCU and Coach Smith was it was very similar. And so I'm sure Mac learned a great deal from him. Uh, I learned so much from Mac. Uh, I just told him the other day, one of the coolest things that I did here that really helped me uh, when we were at East Carolina, Mac would have the assistant coach go up to the Pirate Club room and give a scouting report of the game. Uh, I made the mistake. I wanted to do that here. And I made the mistake the first night of not telling my assistant coach to go up. So I went up myself as the head coach and uh, it, it it took off like wildfire uh, and, and gave me a chance to connect with our fan base and really start to build relationships with the people here in this community. And so uh, I owe just the concept to Mac. Uh, he's been just a great friend and great mentor. Whenever I get to Greenville, uh, I do my absolute best to make sure I go by him. I go by and see him and Miss Jean. Uh, they've just been so good to my wife, Crystal, and I. And, uh, and Mac, is, he's been like an uncle to me, a mentor, a friend. Uh, and he does a good job of keeping in touch with so many of his former players and coaches.
0: I save the toughest question for last. Uh, what is your favorite restaurant in Greenville?
2: Parker's Barbecue. There's only one. Uh, Billy Parker and, and what they do at Parker's Barbecue. Uh, they've, they've been so good to, 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 to the Pirate Nation for so long. Uh, dating back to, to to the one in Wilson as well. So I'm going to, if I only had one, I'm going to go to Parker's
0: Barbecue. All right, John. And uh, how can people follow you? Obviously, to keep up with a great pirate from Pirate Nation.
2: Uh, on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Uh, now it's just prez underscore L U, P R E Z underscore L U. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you see my name, make sure you spell the last name, right. That's probably the most common mistake that I get even on my own campus when people send me emails, but, uh, but I'd love to connect the pirate nation and just keep up. And, uh, uh, you know, again, East Carolina has been great to me and my family. Uh, I, I, I I jokingly tell people the first recruiter ever signed was my wife because I was two year, two grades ahead of her in school, one year older. And I talked her into coming to East Carolina. Uh, I I leave out the part that she was a North Carolina teaching fellow, so they paid for education. So that certainly didn't help my scholarship efforts, but uh, she's the biggest recruit and the best recruit that I've ever signed.
0: John, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I hope that you won't be a stranger and you'll come back and we can spend more time again real soon.
2: Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: No doubt. And uh, enjoy the snow and maybe the snow day, and we'll talk to you again soon.
2: All right. See you guys.
0: Okay. Good night. All right. Appreciate uh, John obviously there with us and right now very excited uh, to have the Marist grad transfer and that's Ben Johnson uh, for the O-line. Ben, how are you?
3: I'm doing great. How are you? Um, I appreciate you guys for having me on.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, Certainly a big day for you and uh, talk about how did this all transpire? How did this all happen? Yeah,
3: absolutely. So I entered the transfer portal and East Carolina started recruiting me pretty early. And um, I had a lot of offers. So it was a a tough choice for me to narrow down which schools to visit. And um, ECU was one of my top choices early on. So I definitely wanted to get down to Greenville and check it out. So um, I had my visit last weekend and absolutely fell in love with the place. It kind of confirmed the feeling I got from the coaching staff and the players that were messaging me and um, it just checked all my boxes off and ECU is home for me and I'm super excited to um, announce that I committed today. And yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at right now.
1: Ben, where else did you visit? I read it today and and it's just left my head. Uh, I remember you, you had a couple more visits scheduled and you decided not to take them.
3: So I visited Buffalo and Ohio University the first two weeks, and ECU was the third. Um, I I planned on taking a couple other visits. I wasn't really sure um, because there's a dead period right now, so I would have had to wait about a month. Um, but I went down to ECU, and I knew it was a fit for me, so I didn't want to waste anyone else's time, and I decided to commit today.
1: How excited are you to move up to the Division One level and and have the opportunity to – show your skills at the, uh, the highest level of college football.
3: Uh, I'm super excited playing, um, going from FCS to FBS is a, a big jump, but, I'm I know I'm ready for it and I can't wait to, to work really hard and compete to see the field very soon. So, uh, it's just a huge opportunity for me and I've, it's always been a dream of mine and I've been working my whole life for this. So, um, I'm, I'm beyond excited to get started.
4: Ben, talk about sitting down with East Carolina head coach Mike Houston and also uh, Steve Shankweiler, who will, of course, be your pit, your position coach. Uh, coach Shank uh, has 40-plus years in the business and um, you know, just does a tremendous job.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I love talking to Coach Houston and Coach Shank. Um, the first thing that jumps out to me about those two is their – both very transparent and honest with me. Uh, they pretty much tell you how it is. And that's what I want as a graduate transfer. And I really appreciate how they handled the whole recruiting process and how they communicate with me on a pretty much daily basis. So that that was a huge thing for me in recruiting was having a good relationship with both the head coach and my position coach. And that, that was just an awesome fit for me. Uh, Coach, Coach Shank is a super experienced guy and uh, he pretty much says it how it is and that's how I like it. And uh, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a great fit for me personally. So that definitely checks that box off.
0: Ben, what did you know about East Carolina before, beforehand?
3: Um, I'm from up north, so I wasn't, I wasn't like a huge ECU fan or anything. But I knew of them, and I kind of knew what conference they were in. And I was super excited when I started getting recruited by them because the opportunity to kind of experience a different culture down south is a huge thing for me. And um, honestly, I didn't know too much to start. So uh, it's really cool learning more about uh, the conference, their program, and where, where they are.
1: Now, where did you grow up?
3: I grew up in central Pennsylvania, a town called
1: Williamsport. Oh, yeah, Williamsport. That's where the Little League World Series is. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, well, something you didn't know, uh, you're coming to Greenville, North Carolina. is the Little League town in North Carolina. They won the Little League World Series a few years back. Uh, Greenville cares about two things, pirate football. Well, three things, pirate football, pirate baseball, and Little League baseball.
0: What about barbecue? That, that's,
1: that's, Well, yeah, well, they care about barbecue also, so four things. But um, yeah, that's uh, so that would a lot of ties to Williamsport. But uh, culturally, we'll get into some fun discussions. Uh, Dave mentioned barbecue. Um, Are you familiar with Eastern North Carolina style barbecue? I am not, but it sounds it sounds great. (laughs) Okay, it's it's, it's whole hog barbecue, chopped. It's got a vinegar based barbecue sauce on it. You serve it with coleslaw, potato salad, hush puppies. Or you can make a sandwich, um, but that—that's that, traditional Eastern North Carolina barbecue.
3: Yeah, that, that sounds amazing.
4: <laughs> I'll definitely be uh, eating that pretty often when right I'm down there. Now, being you and uh, you know some of the other guys in that offensive line room, you need to head out to Parker's Barbecue that you may have heard John Mosley, our previous guest, um, mention. Um, you know, I have some family friends, uh, guys that played way back uh, in the. Sunny Randall years, but they went to Parker's barbecue and uh, it was funny. They ate so much barbecue they got cut off. They said nothing but uh, you know, sweet tea and hush puppies.
0: Yeah, they have <laughs> a hilarious. thing then that you have to you have to do is call family style. And okay. what they do, that's that's what he's alluding to, is they have these big bowls of say with the barbecue. You have the coleslaw. You have the, all the hush puppies. You have it's like a, basically like a big buffet, if you will. But they have it right there. You don't have to walk up to a buffet line it's like being big plates yes yeah. so, uh that's that's what a lot of the families like to do of course they call it family style but um, brunswick stew is very good um, that's one of my favorite things there but a lot of great uh barbecue restaurants in greenville and pet county for sure yeah that so, is, so,
3: sounds amazing
1: go ahead
0: yeah so uh, what do you all right just just
1: now this is just you said you want to experience other cultures you're a Pennsylvania boy, um, so it's a blue collar area. It's not like you're, uh, it's not like you're from Jersey, like some people we know. Um, so uh, just uh, so, so what are your what are your preconceived notions? Everybody has thoughts, preconceived notions about certain areas of the country. So so when you think of the South, and I granted it's, it's North Carolina, it's not Alabama, but what are your what are your preconceived notions of, of the Southeast? Um, just kind of
3: everyone's a lot nicer when you're like walking around and somebody bumps into you, they apologize, say they're sorry. And everyone you're walking around just kind of smiles at you, you know, Uh, up in the, up in the Northeast, it's kind of like people just walk by you bump into you. And, uh, it's just like a normal thing and it's expected to just keep walking and moving forward. And it's almost like an insult. If someone smiles at you, if you know what I mean? So, uh, it's a little different being down there, I kind of kind of noticed that on my visit, and I, th- I thought that with the hospitality was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of those tropes are, particularly in small southern towns, I think when you get into some of the bigger cities in the south, Charlotte, Raleigh, there's so many people from so many other parts of the country there, it's not quite the same, but yeah, when, when you're talking about rural parts of the south, like eastern North Carolina, I, I think a lot of the... Uh, the, the kindness people are friendly. They smile. They'll talk to you. We'll, we'll talk to you now. You, you, you get in line at Walmart or the Piggly Wiggly or food line and you start talking to the person in front of you behind you. That does happen. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's, so, so your, your, your stereotypes are, are positive so far. So that's good. That's good.
0: Right. To our great new friend, I guess it's a we on YouTube watching tonight. We're going to get back to football. We appreciate you understanding that we're trying to get to know uh, Ben a little bit more. Uh, but talk about as far as football is concerned. Your, let's talk about your football background, since I guess he or she wants football questions. So,
3: okay, yeah. Um, so I came into Maris to play tackle, and uh, my freshman year I redshirted, and then my sophomore year I ended up starting at right tackle for the majority of the year. And my junior year they I moved over to left tackle, but our season ended up getting canceled twice because of COVID. So we ended up pretty much working out for an, a whole year in between, which was pretty tough for our guys at Marist. And senior year, I stayed at left tackle and played the whole year there. Um It was I really liked playing outside, but I believe I'm a pretty versatile player and I can play anywhere on the on the O line. Uh, I I believe at the FBS level, uh, I'm more of a guard center type. Uh, so I think that's another big reason that ECU was a good fit for me. They they have a need there, and that's what I wanted to do. So the the puzzle pieces kind of fit together.
4: Now being kind of a two-part question, um, Coach Mike Houston, Coach Shank, and this and this staff, uh, Office Coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick, they really want to run the football. Uh, got that done this year. Uh, had a 1,000-yard rusher and Keith Mitchell, tremendous back. Also Rajay Harris, who had a uh, quality season. Um, I think we ran for something like 1,700 yards as a team. But uh, j- just talk about um, you know what what the staff uh, said in that regard in terms of uh, their commitment to running the football. And then uh, the second part of that, just about you individually. Uh, just you know how do you assess your your game in terms of uh, you know run block run blocking, excuse me, and um, also pass blocking. You know what where do you feel like uh, you're strong right now, and where do you like you need to show the most improvement okay yeah
3: so uh first off the the coaches definitely made it clear that they want to run the ball and that is definitely something that an offensive lineman loves to hear uh i love run blocking and for me personally fitting into their offense uh i'd say i'm a pretty athletic offensive lineman Uh, i've got good speed good good feet good quickness and explosiveness so uh, as a pulling guard type of uh, mauling run block player, I'd be a great fit into the offense for them. Uh, moving from tackle to guard, I don't think would be a huge issue for me. I had success running the ball at Marist on the, um, at the tackle position. I, I really don't believe moving inside would be super difficult for me. So it's just a matter of getting even stronger in the weight room and uh, maybe putting a little more weight on and just becoming a a more experienced football player at the FBS level. So comparing run blocking to pass blocking, I uh, haven't really had a ton of experience pass blocking on the interior, but at Marist, I've I've blocked the edge at left tackle for uh, my whole career there. So I'm pretty confident in my ability to transition from uh, blocking the edge to the interior especially uh, when most of the time you have help from another offensive lineman so uh, I'd say the area I need to improve on the most is probably my pass blocking just because I haven't really done it on the inside very much it's a little different than the edge so that's going to be one of my main areas of focus I'm I'm very confident in my ability to run block but it's it's a matter of uh, being a sponge and taking in everything that Coach Shank has to say, buying into his uh, technique and working hard and getting the job done.
0: And obviously one of our co-hosts, he actually was former linebacker in the 90s under Coach Steve Logan. He's asking you, Ben, uh, when will Ben be arriving on campus? At East I'll Carolina?
3: Be, Yeah, I'll be arriving on campus uh, this May after I graduate from Marist.
0: All right. Also, uh, we asking, uh, are you going to do you have a goal to go to the NFL after this year? That's um.
3: that's always been a goal of mine, but I strongly believe that to accomplish those long term goals, you have to be focused on what's right in front of you right now. My goal right now is to get bigger, faster and stronger. So I'm going to attack each day um, one day at a time. So I'm going to get in the weight room, getting my speed training classes and, uh, keep working hard. And my goal right now is to earn a a spot on the starting five of the offensive line. So, uh, that's my first goal. And then I'm just going to keep taking it one step at a time.
1: All right, man. I I want your word right now. I want your word as a man and your word as a pirate. If, uh, if you, if you, uh, if it looks like you're going to have a chance to get drafted after this season, Will you will you commit now that you will play in the damn ball game? <laughs>
3: Absolutely. Um, I want to play for my brothers, and I love uh, my teammate teammates at ECU. Everyone that I've met so far has been uh, really great and committed to the program. And I don't I don't think I could see myself uh, backing out on the team. So I'd one hundred percent play in the bowl game. That's always been a dream of mine too, is playing a bowl game. So I would never pass that opportunity up.
0: Awesome. That A lot of people in Pirate Nation will definitely be uh, happy about that. I guess you know about our fan base, how rabid the fan base is. And uh, by the way, folks, you can get your tickets. Uh, they uh, We found out about that. You can get your tickets at 1 800 Doll ECU. Of course, you can go to ecpirates.com. Anyway, you can see Ben and a lot of other great additions to the team this year. We want to make sure we get those season tickets uh, way up right, Colin? Yeah, they
1: went on sale today. I already purchased mine for the uh, 2022 season and uh, made my Pirate Club pledge. So, uh, I'm ready to go
0: watch the Pirates beat North Carolina State Labor Day weekend. Obviously, been a non-football question. Hopefully, that's right. Er- okay with everybody. What are you studying grad-wise?
3: Um, I'm going to be studying data science. It's a, it's a two-year program. Uh, I was a finance major at Marist and that's a nice compliment to that major. So, if uh, it's a good thing to fall back on after football, and um, I'm pretty excited about East Carolina's program there.
1: So, Dave asked earlier. We kind of transitioned away from it. Uh, what, what do you know about Pirate Nation and our and our, our fan base? Uh, we, yeah, we 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 used to have a. You know, I think we still have a solid reputation. But at one point, you know, we, we were considered to have the best fan base outside of the so-called Power Five.
3: Yeah, uh, I know Pirate Nation is an electric fan base, and you can just see that on social media, how active everyone is. And there's, there's just Pirates fans um, from all, all ends of the country. Um, it was, it was, it's just really cool interacting with the fans and how supportive they are of the team. And it's, it's just a really cool experience there. So uh, I'm, I'm pumped to, to play for a fan base that, that really loves
0: football. And wants to see uh, see the team succeed. I know you talk about getting bigger and the the weight room. Have you met uh, the strength and conditioning coach, Big John? Yes, sir. I met him on my visit. Uh, what did you think about him? He's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, I was a I was a big fan of uh, Big John's philosophy, and I I love that he works specifically with uh, the the O line and D line. So um, I'll be getting a lot of work in with Big John and. I can't wait to get started there.
0: Uh, speaking of the weight room, uh, again, our, one of our co-hosts, not with us tonight, he's asking Matt Semenza, will Ben continue with the Marist weight room program until May?
3: So the I'm on a different weight program right now. I'm going to a private, private trainer during the week and lifting you on my own a little bit outside of that. So uh, me and some of the other grad transfers here at Marist are on a kind of on a different program and it's been a a really good thing for us. So I'm gonna continue with that throughout the rest of the semester.
0: Obviously, we had uh, Jet G talking sports. He said, I heard, is it Carson Badamo has showed strong interest in joining ECU this year uh, too. Great player for the edge position.
3: Yeah, uh, Carson Badamo was a, a great player for the Marist football team. And I would be pumped to see him get recruited by
0: ECU. That that would be awesome. Hey, anybody that wants to put on the purple and gold, uh, we obviously love them. How about uh, family-wise? You have a lot of friends here tonight and uh, family uh, watching and listening. I, what about them? Are they going to buy like season tickets? Or are they going to get apartments or houses in Greenville to watch <laughs> the family member friends play? We we know realtors.
3: <laughs> um, absolutely. I have a lot of great uh, supporters in my life, and I'm sure my family is going to make it to as many games as they can. I don't know if they're going to buy an apartment in Greenville, but I'm sure they're going to try their best to make it to all these games. And I have some some good friends I played ball with in Marist and from home that definitely want to come support the Pirates. So um,
0: I have a great foundation in that that part of my life. No doubt. That's great. We appreciate you coming on tonight. And uh, do you have any words for Pirate Nation uh, before you go? Yeah, I guess
3: uh, I'm just pumped to join the program and I just want to help the team succeed in any way that I can. And I'm going to work my butt off for you guys. And I can't wait to get started in May.
0: We're very happy to have you in Pirate Nation. Obviously, Ben, and good luck to you. Obviously, uh, graduating this May in Marist. And we look forward to having you. And uh, I guess in fall camp, it won't be long, Gosh, it's going to be, what, six months away yeah. and, uh, for the fall camp. So look forward to meeting you in person very soon.
3: Yes, sir. Hey, thanks for having me.
0: All right. Hope you have a great night. You too. See you guys. All right. Good night. Obviously, I appreciate Ben coming on, uh, guys. Uh, it's great to have him. And uh, and uh, another one, uh, signing day tomorrow officially. Isn't that right? Or is it next uh, next Wednesday? It's coming up, right? I think it's tomorrow. Tomorrow. like It just seems like with the world I'm living in, with my day job, that things are going by very, like 100 miles an hour. So I'm trying to keep up and it's... It's not as easy uh, as it usually is, but I think it's tomorrow, as John was alluding to earlier, so it'll be interesting to see how um that plays out and I guess with already having the early signing period, you have to be really judicious in and how many scholarships you have left and your needs, right Kyle, for this the the original signing period
1: yeah, you uh, it's not what it used to be, and you, you kind of you, you don't know what you, you don't. You, you got to save some spots, but you, you don't know what's going to be available at that time. But, uh, so, but, uh, I, I really don't even know what we're signing tomorrow, how many players we are signing. Are we signing anybody tomorrow?
0: I don't know. Joining us right now, former linebacker under Steve Logan, and that will be Matt Semenza. Hey, Matt, you and I are on a show together. Hallelujah, man. It's been forever, brother.
5: <laughs> I know. What's going on, guys? Uh, good, good to see you guys. I haven't seen Dave and Kyle in a long time, man, but, uh, Good to be here. Um, I had a bad connection, so I couldn't hop on earlier, but uh, excited about uh, Ben Johnson. And, and I think that was a really big uh, signing for us. Um, we definitely needed the help on the interior O-line. So uh, really happy to have his verbal commitment. And uh, hopefully we can get another lineman or two to, to finish off this class.
0: In fact, uh, by the way, Jet G is talking sports, says Badamo is down to Navy. Tulane, Ohio, and ECU. So thank you, Jet G, uh, for letting us know that. So we'll see if uh, Carson Badamo chooses East Carolina. Uh, Guys, uh, before I forget, a big announcement today in uh, sports with Tom Brady officially retiring. I don't know if you care, but uh, just want to get your thoughts on that.
1: Uh, You know, I was a Tom Brady hater for years um, just because I typically – If it's the most popular, it's one of the most championships, particularly I'm going to hate it. That's just how my mind works. Uh, But with him, you know, leaving New England and then going and doing what he did at year one with Tampa Bay last year, it really solidified to me that he's legitimately one of the greatest to ever play the game at the quarterback
0: position. Uh, Yeah, I was just going to say it was funny. I was thinking about you, Kyle, at lunchtime today when I saw the announcement. It's kind of like for me, Matt, I don't know how you feel about this, but it feels like, for a wrestling term, and this is the only way I know how to describe it, it went from, he went from a heel to a baby face. He made the switch when he went to Tampa Bay. What do you guys think about that?
1: I think for some people he did. For me, he did.
0: It seems like there's a lot of people, the, the attitude, Kyle, you bring up a great point with that, that he actually, uh, he did he did himself a favor to get out, away from Bill Belichick and actually go to Tampa Bay and sh- and. Some people think that he did that, to, uh, you know, show Belichick that he still had it in him to win another one, and now he has seven titles. I mean, the guy was in ten Super Bowls. He's been, you know, great for the game, and you can't you can't argue with the stats that he's the greatest ever. Yeah, it's,
5: it's funny what Kyle said. You know, I kind of went from early in Brady's career when he won his first Super Bowl. You know, everybody loved Brady; he was the toast of the town, and then. Yeah as the years went on and he kind of became like this celebrity and he, you know, he married Giselle, God bless him. Um, and he, (laughs) and then I started to hate him. I'll be honest. There was a period of time there, maybe for like seven years where I kind of despised the Patriots really for no other reason than they were just so good. And I was tired of them. And then when he made the move to Tampa, I kind of reversed course and, and kind of found myself cheering for the guy to win another one. Um, and that really is like the true sign of how great he is, that he was able to go to Tampa, win a Super Bowl, And then even this year, I mean, the guy's is what is he 40, 44 years old. Uh, I can't even keep track anymore. And he led 45. the NFL in passing. He's 45, he, 45. And he led the NFL in passing yards. That's, that's amazing. So, uh, I say, it's, you know, it's a good time to go out, go out on top.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and you, you want to talk about it. Do um, you guys see him in a broadcasting role? I really do. He he has I think he has a lot of potential to be a great broadcaster. That's my gut feeling. I don't know if he has any plans on that.
1: Yeah, he, he definitely could be.
0: He has a lot of uh, charisma about him, and uh, by the way, uh, I know Kyle doesn't like talking NFL, and we'll talk to you briefly. Uh, what do you guys think about those games, man? They, uh, they've the ratings 50 million for one and 46 million people watching the other game that's just incredible what a what a stat Ooh,
1: wait 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 did you say 50 million and 46 million yes sir shoot i read it today
5: that is
1: is that an all time rating for a non super
0: bowl that's insanity yeah, I, that's, I read it like three times because I knew you guys were going to ask me that tonight. It's, <laughs> it's unbelievable, the number. And the games, uh, my team is not in it. though We'll find out what the mascot is tomorrow for Washington. Um, and we'll find out it's probably very lame. But anyway, that's a whole other show, as they say. But uh, my team is not in it. But the, to have a team not in it, those games have been nail biters. I tell you what, it's been unbelievable this year with those games uh, in the playoffs yeah every single game has been has been good and for me the the
5: the the pinnacle of those games was the buffalo kansas city game oh my god yeah oh my
0: god
5: you know watching the how how bright is the the future uh at quarterback in the nfl with some of these young guys like joe burrow josh allen mahomes is only like 26 i mean he's still a relatively young guy um you know, you just go on and on, and that was an incredible game. The four lead changes in the last three minutes of the game, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then, Maybe of course, long. you have the worst rule in sports with the overtime, in my opinion. I, I hate it. Um, really felt bad that Buffalo didn't get a chance to get the ball back, but uh, I guess that's the way it goes.
0: Yeah, whoever wins the coin flip, usually, I don't know what the percentage is. I used to know it, but now – but the percentage is so high, just a coin flip decides who wins the game, basically, because whoever gets the ball, they score. It's over um, pretty much. They have a – they've tweaked it a little bit. But, Kyle, I'll give you that for college. I love the college football playoff. Uh, playoff. I love the overtime rules better uh, than I do the NFL.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's still on a perfect overtime system. Uh, to me, the perfect overtime system is to start at the 50-yard line, and alternate possessions until the game is over. Um, I don't know why that's not done, particularly at the college level. Particularly with them coming up with that lame ass rule to end games earlier with with you know ongoing two point conversions after the second overtime. Uh, I think if you would just start the drives at the fifty rather than automatically in field goal range, the games would get over a lot faster.
0: I know you guys don't like. I know you guys don't like soccer, but that's the equivalent of penalty kicks for soccer. It, it is so lame, and that's lame for. I don't like that rule at all. Uh, I really don't like that rule at all. Basically, a two-point conversion decides the winner of that. It's, so, it's such a gimmick. And um, I know they – and the reason being they said they were – here's the other thing I hate guys about it, is when you hear the rationale of we're trying to protect the student-athlete. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're trying to protect the student-athlete? You don't care anything about the student-athlete. And, Matt, you uh, you actually been, uh, – you're a student-athlete. How do you feel about that? They're trying to protect the student athlete, Matt.
5: I just think it's the most laughable thing in the world when when the NCAA gets up on its high horse and they want to talk about protecting the student athlete. I think it's I think it's hilarious. It almost reminds me of the NFL when they, you know, the NFL was so uh, you know the topic of concussions was was such a hot topic for a while and the nfl went out of their way to talk about it. they're going to do everything possible to minimize concussions but then what did they do they expanded the preseason, and then they added a 17th game so it's, it's all uh you know it, it's 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 just kind of ironic how you know um they constantly they, they say these things but the actions don't really back it up
0: so do you guys uh i know you probably don't care but <laughs> what do you think the What do you think uh, tomorrow being Groundhog Day when they choose the new uh, mascot for Washington? What do you think it'll be? What would you? All right, let me ask you this: What would you if if that were your team or you're the team president owner? What would you pick Washington's new mascot to be?
1: I'd probably go with the Redskins, but um, I wish you
4: know,
1: I'd go if if not. Yeah, I would. I said all along, I would have just called them the Washington Red. Um, just drop the word skins, just call them the Washington Red. Um, fill the logo, just fill the logo in with like, you You know, know just make it red. Yeah, do the R and just, just be the Washington Red and, um, make it real simple. Um, that's what I would do. Uh, beyond that, I know a lot of people wanted the Red Wolves.
0: Um, I heard somebody say commanders. That's what I think it's going to be. That's my... They said the reason I'm going with Commander is not what I want, but they said it would be a military theme mascot. And of the choices that I remember off the top of my head, that was only one. Defenders, commanders are the two um, that I've heard that would be, I would assume, would be a military. What do you think, Matt? I mean, I know that you're a Giants guy, but I'm just curious, Seth. We're the eve of the announcement tomorrow. The
1: Washington (laughs) Jarheads. Joe
0: <laughs> I heard. I read an article that they,
5: it's going to be the Commanders too. I'm not a big fan of that one. Uh, it's just. It's just. Uh, I was kind of hoping for something unique, something a little different. Like, I
1: don't know, the Commanders. The pretty unique. <laughs> commanders.
5: <laughs> it just. It doesn't. I don't know, man. It just doesn't. Uh, We're going doesn't commando.
0: hey you know what i want is uh i'm not gonna get too off on this topic but the one thing i will say about it and move on is uh for me personally i just want my team to win football games just focus on the football field don't worry about any kind of uh political stuff off the field and all the other stuff that's going distractions that are going on whatever's going on in the office or that kind of stuff i'm worried about wins and losses for that but anyway uh Guys, very excited about uh, obviously football, uh, baseball seasons right around the corner. One of mine uh, fans, we have 23 Jungle Tales that we've been doing. Bubba has been doing an excellent job with that. Bubba, I want to give you a shout out for that, of course. The D1 baseball, uh, for the North Carolina D1 baseball preview, we've got that going on. Uh, one of remind fans, too, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've had a lot of people subscribing to our YouTube channel and also to uh, Pirates Cove uh, that presented by the Sports Objective. We have that on Facebook. It's our group that we have where you can talk Pirate Nation or uh, a lot of other things in there, right, Kyle?
1: Yeah, uh, Pirates Cove on Facebook. Go in there and talk Pirate Athletics. or uh, I, well, I guess we pretty much keep it to Pirate
0: Athletics, but I guess if you want to bring up another topic, go ahead. And no doubt about it, so... Uh, in fact, we've had two episodes of The Jungle Tales so far, Matt Bridges and Cam, Cor- uh, Cam Colmore, and then John Waite, who played uh, under Coach O from 1988 to 1991. want to remind our good friends, uh, thanks to our good friends um, at Next Level Training Center, and that would be Trent and Gaynell Britt. They sponsor uh, extra innings. We'll have that coming up in a couple, guys, just a couple weeks away from baseball season as is, uh, is East Carolina's hosting Bryant in a couple weeks. Hard to believe. Wow. Wow.
5: It's coming Um, quickly,
0: guys. Coming very quickly. A top 10 program uh, coming in with Coach Cliff Godwin, one of my fans. The baseball banquet is this weekend. If you don't have your tickets, you're out of luck. Um, But another successful uh, thing. And I think uh, actually Bubba reminded me now that I say that, I think they're doing a link where you can watch it virtually. I think Bubba can help me out with that. I believe that's right where they're going to, you can um, pay for that. So that's probably, I have to work, uh, which is unfortunate. I was going to the banquet, but I can't, um, but I'll be working. So I'll probably be watching uh, that before I go to work. <laughs> so that'll be uh real fun. Do you guys have anything before we go, Matt? Uh yeah, uh a, a random story that that just a
5: quick story that might be of interest to some ECU baseball fans. I had mentioned to you guys before the show a few years ago we played Quinnipiac in the regional. Yep. Um, and if you guys recall, they had a a power hitter by the name of Liam Liam Scaffarello, who hit he hit a few bombs against us in that regional. Uh earlier tonight, uh, I, I discovered that he is my son's new baseball coach. So wow. uh, Thought that was an interesting little tidbit for ECU baseball fans. He he had a pretty good regional against us in, uh, in Greenville.
0: So, yeah, uh,
5: pretty random story there, but um, just thought it was interesting. And I re- I remember the name when I met him, and then he said he played for Quinnipiac, and I kind of put it together. So, but he uh, you know just uh, wanted to throw that out there.
0: All right, I want to remind fans. By the way. Uh, Bubba's uh, telling me and, and we're putting up on the screen for those listening. It is sold out. You can purchase a virtual ticket to watch the ECU baseball banquet. And I assume you can do that by going to ecupirates.com pirates.com uh, to do that. And yeah, uh, under baseball. But uh, certainly if you're looking to uh, join in, you can do so for the ECU baseball banquet. I want to give a shout out to all the great folks at uh, the baseball program who do a great job. And by the way, fellas, uh, before we get out of here, uh, bubble wants to let everybody know we've topped 2,000 season tickets today we're over uh we've sold over 250 more than we have ever have and it's still time to sell some more so get your tickets again ecupirates.com or you can do like i do i like to talk to a person matt i'm always the one that screws things up uh 1-800 dial ecu or you go to ecupirates.com all right uh thanks for our great guests john and ben we want to thank uh Kyle, Matt, thank you so much, brother. Great that uh, you're back with us. Appreciate you, man. Good to see podcasts. you, man. Good to see you, too. Bubba, thank you so much behind the scenes tonight. I know he's got multitasking and uh, producing. Thank you, Bubba. All right, uh, fans, don't forget once again to like our Facebook page. We're on Twitter, at OBJ, at uh, obj. You can find us. Uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. And obviously, we're on TikTok. We're everywhere. Uh, and we're on many different platforms when it comes to our podcast, uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. All right, so we'll get out of here. I'm Dave Richmond. Thanks for watching The Sports Objective. Good night, everybody. And as always, go Pirates.